Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God. Good morning. Uh, My name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Metro. And I just want to welcome you again to our live stream worship. Uh, Today we continue our series in Psalm 23, and over the past several weeks, we've been learning that when the Lord is our shepherd, he leads us into true, lasting rest for the restoration of our souls. Uh, To believe that all promises of rest apart from the Lord are ultimately empty, and to repent of the false forms of rest uh, that we're chasing. And so last week we looked At the first half of verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And today, we'll be looking at the second half of verse 2, he leads me beside quiet waters. And as Pastor Donnie explained last week, Hebrew poetry consists of a line and then a second line that supports that preceding line through different forms of parallelism, um, different forms of progression. And David uses this repetition because he's expressing deep emotion. It's something that he cares deeply about and has been impacted by. And so let's do a quick recap of David's life. David was born the eighth and youngest son of Jesse. Uh, David was a shepherd tending his father's sheep, a job usually reserved for the least esteemed, the neglected. Uh, Yet he somehow... Um, became king. And he defeated Goliath. He overcame and won many wars, but he also spent time fleeing people trying to kill him. You see, he hid in caves. He committed adultery and betrayed his own people. And um, David's life was never easy. Um, And so in this Psalm, we see David, he's worshiping. He's singing. He's saying that Through all of this, uh, through the deepest valleys and the greatest storms, the Lord is my shepherd. I am at rest. I am at peace. In your deepest valleys and your storms, who do you turn to for peace? Where do you go for rest? I have two points uh, for us today, two quick and simple ones. He leads me beside quiet waters. And now this first point, he leads me, uh, kind of you can break it down into kind of three ways. He leads me. So who is leading you? He leads me. What does it mean to be led? And he leads me. Who are you? And the second point, beside quiet waters, where are you being led? And where can you find rest? So he leads me. In verse 1, David, he's now reflecting on his life. And um, 
He says, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, growing up as a shepherd himself, rather than looking down on them, um, David knew not only the level of work that shepherds had to do, um, but also the amount of care, uh, the courage it took, the uh, love it took, the compassion um, that was required uh, of them. And so he held shepherds in high regard. Um, And so David also knew a lot about sheep. Um, They're often characterized to be defenseless, uh, fearful, unintelligent animals, right? Uh, Sheep can't live on their own. They're always wandering off somewhere, getting into danger, and so resistant to help. And and so you can imagine David's frustration with sheep um, as a shepherd. And so when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying two main things. He's saying that the Lord calls, rescues, he leads, he disciplines, he comforts. It's it's personal. And he's condescended from his throne to be a lowly shepherd to me. Um, He's my caretaker. He's my rescuer. He's my leader. He's my life giver. And the second part is that this implies that David, he himself, is a sheep the thing he's most frustrated with. And through the highs and lows of his life and his relationship with the Lord, David realizes and freely admits that he is a sheep, helpless, defenseless, fearful, resistant, and wholly reliant on his shepherd. See, his posture is of great humility and dependence. Nobody wants to be a sheep, but let's face it, um, we're all sheep. Uh, You may say Jesus is not your shepherd, but that means someone or something else is. And we, like sheep, are followers. Again, we're fearful, easily distracted, and left to our own devices, easily lost. And so there's a deep void and there's this deep restlessness inside of us that feeds our desire for security and comfort and love and approval. Um, It leads us to work tirelessly, Uh, to gain knowledge, uh, to get the best job, uh, to accumulate wealth and find the perfect spouse and have the perfect family. Um, To get there, um, we have listened and we listen to voices in our lives that we believe will benefit us, you know, that will lead us to each of these promised lands because nobody can just do that on their own. Someone or something has helped you get to where you are today whether it was your parents, your friends, your teachers, your counselors, your mentors. And especially in this generation today, the voice of social media, social influencers. You see, we're so bombarded by so many voices, so many shepherds telling us, if you do this, if you listen to my voice, if you follow these five simple rules, um, you'll be able to rest. And our shepherds today They might not look like the ones in old stained glass windows, uh, but don't be mistaken. They're everywhere, guiding and leading you somewhere, shaping how you think and view the world. Um, I'm a numbers guy, uh, so let's let's look at some numbers. Um, Based on data from uh, the first quarter of 2019, uh, we average more than three hours per day online on our phones, just our phones, um, two hours of which are spent on social media. 
And that's an average between the ages of 16 to 64. And the younger you get, the higher the number goes. And I know right now some of you are thinking, ooh, my screen time is a little higher than that. And some of us don't even want to look at our screen time because of, I don't know, it's the guilt or the shame of looking at that and dealing with that. Um, But during that time, uh, those two to three hours, not only are we consuming and being influenced by content from our news feeds and our timelines, we're also being bombarded with ads, right? Back in the 70s, the average person saw between 500 to 1,600 ads per day. That's in the 70s. And today, in 2020, it's estimated that we see between 6,000 to 10,000 ads per day. And that's with ad blocker on. Don't think you're immune if you have ad blocker. Uh, There are marketing departments in all different types of organizations, um, not just just products um, that are vying to get your attention. Uh, They want to become thought leaders. They want to shape culture, society, and individuals. And I'm not saying that they're all bad, um, not that they're all actively seeking your demise or anything, but how are we discerning what is good and what isn't? Whose voice is primary? Who is guiding us? You see, there's so much noise everywhere, um, whether we're actively looking for it or not. Um, Voices are trying to lead us to green pastures and quiet waters that we so desire. Ultimately, so that we can find some sense of peace and rest in our lives. If we ate every day, if all that all we ate was fast food, uh, we would feel the effects of that in our bodies. Um, we'd gain some weight. Uh, we'd slow down in general. We'd, uh, you know, perhaps some high cholesterol. Um, and there's that old saying, right? You become what you eat. Uh, in the same way, we become what we follow, what we consume. Those things become, start becoming normal uh, for us because we're exposed to them all the time. There's a deep restlessness in our lives, not because God is absent, uh, but because we've shut him out. See, there's a deep restlessness in our lives, not because God is absent, but because we've shut him out. We stop listening to him. And the reality is oftentimes, we're not led by the voice of Jesus, but by our own desire the voice of culture, um, and other relationships in our lives, apart from him. See, these worldly forms of rest that we chase after have left us weary and tired and lost. It's because what is broken cannot fix what is broken. What is not whole cannot make us whole. Yet we place so much value and so much of our worth, our hope, our joy, our approval, our love in what's broken. And it can't stand. It can't support the weight of our brokenness. It's so easy to do that, right? I know for me, it's so easy to, uh, to look to my friends and um, my, um, my mentors, uh, even the person that I'm dating, uh, as my source of approval, my source of love. And it's so easy to deceive yourselves too. And when you're in that mode, oh man, you're not listening. You're not listening to those around you. You're not listening to the voice of God. You just want to do what you want to do. You want to get to where you want to get. 
And, it, and it's going to take you to a place uh, where you're ultimately going to become lost, uh, ultimately going to become broken. Um, and when you don't address those things, when those things go um, unaddressed, not repented for, um, you start to see the cracks. Um, and if you're blessed enough to have people around you to speak to those things, right, you, um, it's so important in those moments to listen, right? And so who is your shepherd? Who do you look to for nourishment and satisfaction? We're all looking for answers, um, looking for a sense of righteousness, uh, someone or something to tell us you're doing everything right. You're going the right way. That validation, right? And when the primary voices in our lives are not out for our good, then it will eventually lead to disappointment, chaos, and brokenness. We deceive ourselves when we think that we know what's good for us in our own understanding. And the world offers us many places to look for rest, but it can never deliver the rest our souls are looking for. And that's why we're tired. That's why we're dissatisfied, always looking for that peace. And right when you think you found it, it vanishes. In John 10, uh, Jesus speaking to Pharisees um, and the leaders of the church uh, in that time who are looking to have him arrested, he says to them, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. See, Jesus, the good shepherd, will guide and lead differently than all other shepherds and leaders. His care and his love is perfect, selfless, and for your good. A true shepherd who leads by willingly, sacrificially laying his life down for us, for you, and for me. You see, a good shepherd is not passive. He doesn't follow. He's always watchful, always guiding. Even if it's against the sheep's will and desire, he will lead sheep to green pastures and quiet waters. So when David says, he leads me, what he's saying is, he, the Lord, leads me, is my shepherd. He leads me. The Lord is my shepherd. And see, David is singing over and over uh, in humility and dependence on his good shepherd. And he's reminding us to come humbly as sheep, to trust in our good shepherd who will lead us to true rest. So where is our shepherd leading us? Beside quiet waters. Um, Some versions of the Bible say still waters, Uh, But the actual translation of quiet waters is waters of rest. And if you go back and he leads me, the Hebrew for leads is actually a very specific word. That means to lead and guide to a watering place or station and cause to rest there. The focus then in this line is on rest But to get there, a shepherd must provide an environment where the sheep can actually be at rest. Philip Keller, a 
former shepherd and Christian author, uh, wrote that there are four conditions that must be met for a sheep to be at rest. One, uh, they need to be free of all fear. Two, they need to be free of conflict with other sheep. There can't be any tension. Uh, And three, uh, they need to be free of pests or aggravation. And four, lastly, they need to be free of hunger. You see, these, these are all things that only the shepherd can provide for sheep. And it takes a lot of work. And throughout Psalm 23, you can see how David addresses these conditions. Without this, the sheep are restless and discontent. Sounds a lot like us, no? Many of us, uh, when we think of green pastures and quiet waters, we probably envision these open fields and uh, meadows full of tall, uh, lush grasslands and uh, these streams of clean, plentiful water. Uh, But such things actually don't exist in Israel, uh, especially in the region where David uh, was a shepherd. And in fact, um, in Israel... It's mostly a desert wilderness uh, with drought and mainly two seasons, a short rainy season and uh, the rest of the year, which was the dry season. Um, And Israel is known to have uh, these riverbeds called wadis. And these wadis are usually dry, but during the rainy season, they get filled with water that can rage and can become quite dangerous. And so, Um, especially for sheep uh, that could easily be swept away uh, in these raging stormy waters. And so shepherds were constantly on the lookout for areas to take their sheep uh, to feed and drink. Uh, And a good shepherd is one who can find still waters in the midst of a desert from which his sheep can drink safely, um, knowing and discerning what is best skillfully and painstakingly looking for the right spot. This meant that sometimes when following a good shepherd, it meant enduring seasons of drought. Now, water can give life, but rough waters, deep waters, can bring suffocation, harm, and death. You see, water has always been viewed as an enigma, a mystery, and um, the right amount It brings abundant life. And too little or too much, it can bring death. Uh, Clean water will nourish and give life, but dirty water brings disease and it brings death. You see, in our unending pursuit for rest and peace, where, where, where are we drinking from? And who is guiding us? We often disregard our good shepherd and pursue rest, not from still waters, but rough, dangerous, dirty waters. And we easily get swept away. Rather than listening to the voice of our good shepherd, we listen to worldly shepherds that can only provide a temporary relief, but eventually they make us more thirsty. You see, still waters are calm. They're safe, peaceful, and a place where you can quench your thirst and be at peace. You can be at rest. It's a place where you're provided for. Um, however, in stormy waters, where we're often led to drink, um, there's constant unrest. 
There's constant fear, constant tension, and constant aggravation. In Matthew 14, uh, the disciples are on a boat in the midst of a great storm. And Jesus, who had been praying alone apart from them, he sees them and he walks on water out to the boat. And when the disciples saw him walking on a lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. In this passage, we see Jesus, the true Lord of the storm. While his disciples are in danger because of the storm, Jesus walks on the water. He leads his disciples and displays his power and authority over the water as it becomes completely still and quiet. And he asks his disciple, Peter, why are you afraid? Why do you doubt? In other words, he's saying, am I not your shepherd? Do you trust me? What's significant about this event is that it's the first recorded incident where the disciples worshipped Jesus. He led his disciples through the storm and he calmed it. And the disciples knew at that point that there was nothing to fear. Like sheep, they could rest. You see, Jesus is the good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd. Why? Because he gave his life for his sheep by braving the ultimate storm on the cross. And this was a storm he could not calm. Where he found his rest was taken from him. And on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, he was saying, I've lost my rest. I've lost my peace. He was separated from his shepherd, his source of life. And he was no longer at rest. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus and he was swept away by the storm of sin and darkness so that you and I could have calm and peace so that we could have true rest. What does this mean? I'm going to wrap up here. This means that the greatest storm in our life has been stilled. The punishment and death that we deserved was laid on him. And as the disciples did, we worship him, our caretaker, our rescuer, our shepherd, the good shepherd. You see, it means that we can face the lesser storms in our life because Jesus experienced and overcame the ultimate storm. We no longer have to fear. We no longer have to doubt. We, know we can let go of other shepherds that we have gone to and trust that our good shepherd will keep us safe and feed us what we need every day. That Jesus is leading us and we can stop trying 
to make our own way like wandering sheep. It means that if Jesus went through the ultimate storm to bring you peace, sometimes you will go through storms for others to have peace. You see, today we see the deep roots of racial injustice and how it's affecting our nation collectively and individually today. We see the injustices of race, class, rich and poor, and how we enter into these storms to love and to lead is to suffer where it hurts most, to suffer alongside those who are hurting, to pour out our lives, our finances, our time, our emotions. It means that if you're sitting here right now, full of anxiety and fear and uncertainty, this is an invitation to find stillness and rest, to see the calm. You see, the good shepherd says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, it's an invitation that's open every day because our need for rest will never end. And it ebbs and flows throughout all of our life, um, but will always be needed until we are with him. Friends, uh, where are you finding your rest Will you surrender it to him? Be honest. Ask others for help and insight. It's so easy to live the way that we want to live, to hide in the shadows and rely on ourselves. True rest begins with repenting of whatever false forms of rest that we're chasing and pursuing the promise of peace that we have through faith in Jesus. It's an amazing thing. When we run to our father, our shepherd, our true shepherd, we can find ultimate rest in him. Will you pray with me?